Every gamer has that one game they want all of their friends to play. Maybe it's old. Maybe it's new. Maybe it's obscure. Or maybe it's the game that everyone is playing. Whatever it is, it's that one game you love to talk about. Join us as we ask each other to try this game. All right, Farron. You know what? This is the second time in a row now that I've asked this, but I know you like space games, right? I hate space games. I hate them. Well, perfect. <laughs> do you like piracy? Oh, absolutely. All right. Totally. Do you like long haul economic trading a la a 18 wheeler driver? Wait, what? Uh, do you like mercenary work? <laughs> eh, we'll see. <laughs> all right, well, let's do all of those things and play Elite Dangerous. So Elite Dangerous was uh, released December 16th, 2014. It was developed and published by Frontier Developments, and it is published on Windows, Mac OS, Xbox One, and PS4. So I have been playing this game now probably since, oh, I'd probably say around 2017 or so was when I picked it up. Uh, I have never actually properly played it with a full-on hands-on throttle and stick setup i've pretty much always played it mouse and keyboard uh and it works perfectly well the the premise of elite dangerous is we are in the far-flung future we have developed a faster than light drive called the frameshift drive and we are now traveling the stars and elite dangerous is so well known for having a not one-to-one exact perfect but a realistic and believable map of the milky way galaxy that you can explore you can go to the far end of the galaxy and back again i've been in this game to the center of the galaxy to sagittarius a star uh in my diamondback explorer and i made a shit ton of money because of all the things that i scanned and brought back and sold off um I've I've played pirate and I've shot down other players who are in the middle of their trading runs with massive cargo ships full of loot. I've uh, done uh, policing work for local factions. I have played the politics game and helped my uh, my politician win territory in the bubble, uh, which is sort of the the central area of the game where these political powers battle back and forth and take systems and lose systems and raise and lower their standings in the in the political hierarchy of the game uh and i i've still not done everything you can go out and find uh, guardian ruins these ancient ruins of civilizations from uh species long past find parts from their spaceships and uh bring them back and reverse engineer them into your own you can ambush the alien species that have uh, invaded the Milky Way, the Thargoids. You can find them and steal some of their stuff and on your way back to sell it, be pulled out of your frameshift drive by one of them and ambushed. It's it's such a wild and immense and staggering achievement of a game. I absolutely love it. And I'm sure that you're going to have some hot takes on it. So let's get to you and, and how you feel about Elite Dangerous. When they announced this game, I bought into it because I wanted to support the project. Mm -hmm. So somewhere out there, I have an Eagle Fighter waiting for me. Okay. One day I might, day I might even get to it. <laughs> uh, one thing I thought, I, it's funny, I, I have 1.9 hours logged in this game total. And I'll tell you why. The first time I played it, it seemed in, incomprehensible to me and I had 20 other games, so I uninstalled and moved on. 
And then I tried again because I wanted a Starfighter game because they announced Arena where it's just, you know, mm-hmm. you're just shooting it. And I thought, oh, cool. So I learned how to fly the game. I use a, a, a DualShock 4, a, you know, a PlayStation 4 controller. And it was okay. It wasn't great. I mean, it's, nothing flies as well as Star Wars Squadrons, but you can hardly hold that against it. Game is much older, but it flies well and it looks gorgeous. And so when they announced they had proper tutorials for the first time, I think it was last year I'd mentioned, and, yeah. and I went in and I tried it, and they were neat, and I got through some of it. But it was 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. In preparation for this, I loaded into it, and I thought, okay, I know how to control this ship. Let me just get out there and do something, anything. So I decided my goal would be to get from one star system to another, and I couldn't figure it out. The the game is incomprehensibly complex to me, even though it's not that complex. And maybe it's that I look at this and go, okay, whatever. As beautiful as it is, and look, I I didn't buy this game so we could review it here. I own this game. I bought this game before it came out. And I remember it was announced at more or less the same time as Star Citizen. Ha ha. (laughs) And um, yeah, don't don't laugh. I own own that one too. So do Um, I. Yeah, one day I maybe we'll play it. You can play. That's not fair. You can actually play. You just it's it's forever in beta and whatever. Mm. But uh, everything about this game tells me that had I had had I had this game in high school and there was a version of Elite in high school, there was. Had I played it, I probably would have poured thousands of hours into it. Even in even in university, it's probably the sort of game that I would have said, "I'm going to make this my game." Right. But. That's never going to happen now. It's just like Eve Online. Yeah. Everything about this game appeals to me, but do you know I've 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 started that game up. I think I'm up to seven times now, and I've never once made it through the tutorial. <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah. Uh, and this is the same thing. I want to play it, but it's never ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the irony is, I own you know the, the the series X. Yep. So it's it's essentially it was written. The first one was based on Elite. It was like I like Elite. Let's make that. And they're up to X4 now, and I own X and X2. I think I got them in Humble Bundles, the second one. And then I own X4, which is the most recent one. And one of these days, I might actually get into one of these games. But the problem is, is that there's so much commitment up front to learn just how to play, like just to figure out how to control your ship and navigate menus. And I compare that to a game we reviewed uh, one week ago, which is Evil Genius, which has 20 different systems you have to keep track of. But you're building a new room five seconds after you start the game and your systems are up and running 10 seconds later and yes they're going to throw more at you but they don't throw the entire base at you at one shot and say see ya you know what i mean and this is the problem i have i bounce off this game hard despite the fact that it looks gorgeous and sort of like star sector and so many of these games you try and sell me on they sound (laughs) great on paper until i try to play them and then i go oh god no i don't have the time or patience anymore that's fair. I mean, I it, they're definitely they're definitely time investment games, and like mm-hmm. once, I I think though that for me it's sort of the same as it would be for you with Evil Genius. Like I have I've spent the time in so that a lot of it is just sort of second nature and intuitive mm-hmm. to me. And if this game was second nature and intuitive to you, I think that you would really 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 dig it. Um, Almost certainly. Yeah. Uh, do you know there's there's a lot of things that kind of go into this game that you really need to do on the user end like you need to go through and you need to look at all the keybinds and you need to understand what button does what because the tutorials they're much better now but they still don't teach you everything yeah um, 
for my benefit, I, I don't even run this is the sole piece of software when I'm running it. I run a second piece of software called Voice Attack, which uses a chunk of programming from a pro, uh, a company called HCS Voice Packs. Which you told me about this, yeah. Yeah, which effectively lets me speak to my computer and uh, tell it what I want it to do. Landing gear, down, weapons, out, uh, jump, now, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. they've got all these voice packs that are voiced by uh, a couple of nobodies. Or, you know, Leonard Nimoy did one. Jeez. Um, but yeah. there's a huge, huge amount of massive names that have mm -hmm. done these. And you, they're, they're, you know, portraying their character, but not their character. Mm -hmm. it's, it's of course. The, the Walmart brand of their character. Yeah. And it's it makes the game so much more fun and so much more immersive that you can you can genuinely feel like you're talking to the game um honestly i don't think i could go back to playing elite dangerous or even star citizen without that software now okay uh, it just it makes such a huge difference i visit pc gamers site all the time and they've got a guy who plays the game a lot and just like they have someone who plays a lot of eve online and I, I mean, Eve Online has just become drama, so I don't care. But I love listening to some <laughs> of the stories about Elite Dangerous, like these guys who will go out and get people who ran out of fuel in the middle of nowhere. Those are fascinating fuel stories. Rats. Yeah. Fuel rats. I remember reading a whole big article about them. And it was super interesting. And I remember when the aliens first appeared years ago mm -hmm. and reading about that. And it was interesting to read the stories. But I, I realized, first off, I, I gave up. My MMO days are behind me. Yeah. My World of Warcraft days are behind me. I play Star Trek Online as a solo experience. The closest I get to dealing with another human is constantly saying, no, I don't want to join your goddamn fleet. No, no, no. <laughs> um, I wish there was like an auto refuse, and I think there is now. But this is the sort of game that came down the pike about 15 years too late for me. Yeah. But the stories around it, I would love to find an interesting podcast that just tells the stories of Elite, Online, Elite Dangerous. I think I might really want to listen to that. Yeah. There are some outstanding stories. I mean, they're not podcasts per se, but you can find some excellent top tier streamers who interact with those groups. Uh, I remember it was a, ooh, probably about a year and a half, two years ago now, there was this massive fuel rats expedition to go and rescue a player who was out beyond I, where you could jump to. I and think that's the story I read. Yeah, it was like a week in game actually playing of just flying in a straight line yeah. Yeah. that uh this fuel rat had to go to come out there with extra fuel and a little things called limpets to transfer the fuel over mm -hmm. uh and they're not even the only group in that game like that there's also yeah. the hull seals who if you get a breach in your hull and you're venting oxygen you log out you uh, go to their website and you submit a ticket and they say, Jeez. okay, we will send somebody out there to come and get you. Log that's, in at this time. That's wild. Yeah. But that's neat because it creates a serious sense of community. Like mm -hmm. I remember there was, they were planning some expedition that was supposed to, was it go clear across the galaxy or? Around. Around, excuse me. Did that ever happen? Yes, twice. Oh my God. <laughs> See, <laughs> stories like this, I want to hear about there's got like I said I after this I swear I'm gonna go find a podcast that tells these stories because it's the stories that interest me it's not the things you do you yeah. know what I mean it's it's sort of like uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands 
it's not that the game was especially brilliant or the story was good it's the stories that came out of that like the mm -hmm. you know the time i wound up in a traffic jam that ended in a running fight across a mountaintop uh <laughs> you know it's a cool story and i love to tell it but none of that is about how i completed a mission objective because i didn't there was no mission right. objective it was i got caught in a traffic jam and i bumped into a three-way firefight and i got to be target number four and elite dangerous seems to create stories like this the shocking thing is that this game was made by a small dev is my understanding yeah fdev is is not big they've they've put out a few games they also did uh uh the jurassic park uh park simulator game that came evolution, out evolution okay. yeah that's the one they I, think put I, got, out I think i got that for free from Epic. yeah that that sounds about right they're not the biggest company ever but they're definitely growing yeah but just the idea that they created this they created the milky way galaxy mm -hmm. that seems to me very cool I just wish the game's menu systems made a little more sense. Maybe if I played with a mouse and keyboard, it would make more sense to me than trying to do it with a, with a controller. But I, yeah, I don't know. It, it seems to be the sort of game where I'd almost like to just have a capital ship and then play the game that way. Well, you yeah, can. you can go there. I know you can get it. You can get a carrier in the whole nine yards. You can create empires. But I don't want to do that. I want to just have it and you know have my one ship. I want to be like the Han Solo, just have my medium ship and carry on. But I don't want to spend the time it's going to take to learn the damn thing. So that's fair. That that's definitely fair. It is. It's another one of the games that we've come across where it's an investment. It expects yeah. you to learn how it plays. And if you, if you want to play it, you don't have a choice. You need to you need to learn how this game plays on its terms. One of these days, I'm, you're gonna you're gonna find a game that hits just that right spot, <laughs> and, and I'm gonna you're gonna like you're gonna be telling me get off the game. We need to record. No, no, ten more minutes, ten more minutes. This game reminds me of Eve Online or a lot of these other games where the people who play this game, this is what they play. Yeah. I mean, I've seen these guys who have like six, you know, uh, six monitors and projects on the on the ceiling, and they've got the flight chair and the whole, uh, you know you know the, the flight stick and the pedals and the whole nine yards and i guess if this is what you do then cool yeah it's just not me but it, this is another one of those games that i respect it but i know that unless i unless you deposit a million bucks in my account tomorrow so i can retire i'm never going to put in the time i'm never going to find the time to put in to get into this game yeah but uh man is it cool looking and and the stories i love hearing them well, there's there's always more and more stories coming out of these games, uh, out of Elite Dangerous, out of Star Citizen, out of Eve Online. Mm -hmm. uh, if if nothing else, these games have achieved the ability to let players create their own emergent gameplay, which is mm -hmm. absolutely astounding. And I could I could keep going on about all the like the wild things that you we've done in uh, Elite Dangerous, like um, the time where I was in the middle of running passengers back and forth to a, a vantage point, came back, logged out for the night, and overnight the Thargoids, the, the aliens, had attacked the base that I was staying in. So now every mission was evacuate civilians and get them to safety. Oh, and the, the station is on fire, and you're flying in and out of the thing, <laughs> getting people out. That's amazing. It's Yeah, it's incredible. It's, it's such just such a wild experience. If you've never played Elite Dangerous before, and you've got any any ambition to try the game it doesn't it doesn't fly like uh, a conventional uh, flight model 
because of the fact that you're in space, you can hit a button and go straight up. You can hit a button and go straight down. You can hit a button to go straight to the left, straight to the right. And that plays into how you fly in these games. Yeah, this isn't Star Wars Squadron. This is meant to be realistic. Well, sir, sort of. You can't you can't whip the G-forces so hard that you tear your ship apart. Yeah. But you you definitely you're working in space. There's no atmosphere, so there's fewer limitations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um because they know they, they released a, an expansion called Horizons, which you know I think you get for free. And they've got it's a new one coming. It's like a Odyssey. shooter. Odyssey. Is that first or third person? First person. Uh, uh, I don't <laughs> I don't think that they're going to have third person gameplay. Essentially this is uh, Elite Dangerous's answer to Star Citizen's first person uh first person uh, gameplay where they can actually walk around and honestly that's probably my biggest problem with elite dangerous that i've had over the years is that you never get a good sense of scale you really don't you don't understand how big your ship is until you wind up right beside another player and you see their ship beside you and you can kind of compare and contrast uh star citizen for all of its flaws you can walk around and you can feel how big everything is you feel how big the room is that you wake up in the hallway you walk down the ship you walk into the city you fly out of um you've also got a lot more money to spend spend yeah spend and spend 300 billion dollars yeah we won't we won't go into their issues but uh yeah it's um you know i i look at this game and and like so many of the games you've shown me i respect it but I'm never ever gonna get fully into it, and I know it. But it's so cool to listen to people mm-hmm. like you tell me the stories of. You'll never guess this thing. I you'll, you'll never guess <laughs> I did this cool thing. Let me tell you, and, and and that's cool. Yeah, and I don't play this game every week. I hell sometimes I don't even play it every month. There's good long stretches where I'll go without playing Elite Dangerous, but I will always come back to it and always jump in. Eventually, once Odyssey comes out of Alpha and it's public release, then I'll probably buy into it and I'll play a bunch of that because that looks so cool. And I'll, it's it's just going to be one of those games that's always in my uh, always in my catalog. Very cool. Yeah. So there it is. There it is. So, are you a murder hobo? Uh, typically in Dungeons and Dragons, I'm actually not a murder hobo, believe okay, it or well, not. Uh, how would you like to play a game where you have no choice? Well, yeah, let's go. Okay, so we're going to talk about Torchlight 2, and I suppose to a lesser extent, Torchlight 1. Um, this is a Diablo-esque game for the PC, and I'm honest to God not sure whether it's available on consoles. I don't think so. Uh, it was developed by Runic Games, and... it. Torchlight 2 was released in 2012. You can get it on Steam. You can get it on GOG. You can get it on Epic. And it is a, it's a Diablo clone, frankly. It's the best way to put it. It's you know yeah. three-quarters perspective, click around, kill everything, collect a ton of loot, keep what you want, sell what you don't have to. Runic Games was actually started by a bunch of Blizzard employees. Uh, 
who wanted a more cheerful version of Diablo, frankly. And it is. It's much much brighter. It's much prettier. Admittedly, I've only played Diablo for five minutes, and I've never tried Diablo 2 or 3. Torchlight itself was a very simple game where you went to this town called Torchlight, and you went into this mine, and each level was like a floor of the mine. I think you got to level 50, which is the 50th subfloor. You defeated the boss, and that was it. Torchlight 2 is much more expansive. It takes place in all sorts of different biomes, you're in deserts, you're in forests, you're in mountains, swamps, whatever. Uh, There are quests and all this sort of stuff. You can always return to, you know, these sort of hubs and very much like an MMO, you can get, you know, you can insert, uh, you know, jewels into armor or weapons and all this sort of stuff, all these different ways that you can improve what you have. The game has different classes. But I think what makes this game stand out, as opposed to, say, Diablo, which I guess is the gold standard for this type of game, is that it's really moddable. I I can't speak to GOG or Epic, but if you own it on Steam, you get access to the workshop. Mm -hmm. And I I have used mods for so long that if you held a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you what the original classes of this game were. (laughs) I'm using something called Torchlight 2 Essentials, which is viewed as the essential mod, and it adds like four different classes and 20 different pets. Okay. Um, believe it or not, this it's funny. One of the first Diablo clones was made by Chris Taylor. He did Supreme Commander and Total Annihilation before it, which are these amazing RTS games. He mm-hmm. made a game called Dungeon Siege. Okay. And the notable thing about that game is you had a pack mule that followed you around. And his job was to just carry your shit. So you didn't have to load. Once you had finished loading up as much crap as you wanted in your bags, you put it in the, in the mule. Okay. Torchlight took that one step further. You have a pet. And it doesn't matter how big your pet is. It can be a cat or a llama or a giant. He has his own bags and you can load stuff into it. And at any time during the game, you can send him back to town and he'll sell all your crap and you can even give him a shopping list. Oh, really? And all you do is you sort of kill everything in the area. So you're in a safe zone and you go and you load up your your pet with whatever you want, send him off to town and go get a drink. Come back in three minutes. He'll probably be there. He'll have the gold from the stuff he sold, and you'll have the, you know, the the identity, identification scrolls, and the maps, and, you know, mana potions, and life potions, whatever it is you ordered him to go get. He's gone right. and gotten it for you. It's very convenient, and it's for lazy people, and I think that's totally fine. <laughs> um, it's perfect, because I don't want to haul ass all the way back to a hub, and then have to go all the way back where I am, when I can just click go, and then go get a, you know, go go make myself a sandwich or get a Coke out of the fridge and, and come back and it's all done for me. That's fine. Yeah. Um, the game has a great sense of humor. It does. In, in the first game, I went aboard a ship and I pl- and I attacked a pirate named One-Eyed Willie. Willie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, reference to the Goonies. Who, refer- uh, who comes back in Torchlight 2. <laughs> oh, that I didn't know that, actually. Uh, it's funny because I got as far as level 39 and then I had no idea what I was doing. So I just deleted it and I'm going to start over. These games are the sorts of games that I have to be in a certain mood to play because it's just click, kill, click, kill, click, kill, move on. Yeah. Had you played Torchlight 1? I had not played Torchlight 1. Okay. I uh, I only played Torchlight 2 for uh, for the session that we did here. Okay. Did you like it? it okay, so it's definitely different. I, I do play a lot of Diablo. I'm actually on a bit of a Diablo 3 kick. They just released their new season. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm having a great time with it. Um, okay. It's different. It's it, obviously, as we'd mentioned before, it's much brighter. It's much cheerier. It's, uh, you know, it's meant to evoke high fantasy as opposed to low fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem that I had with it was that 
the controls felt muddy. Um, really? Yeah, like I would, you know, I click to go somewhere and I could be a good distance away from an enemy and it would still click on the enemy. Or I would want to stop attacking and move somewhere else, but an enemy was too close and then I would instead just start attacking that enemy. Mm-hmm. Or the click wouldn't register and I would move somewhere instead of attacking. And it was, it just, it felt, it didn't feel as clean um, as Diablo does to me, Diablo 3. Okay. But that's okay. Like, it doesn't need to be Diablo. It doesn't need yeah. to be as intense. Like, when I was playing this game, the, the thing that I kept uh, coming back to in my mind is that, damn, this is really hard to stutter step in this game, which is where you attack, move, attack, move, attack, move, so you can keep okay. kiting things along behind you. Right. Um, and the stutter stepping just, I was having such a hard time finding that rhythm in this game. Yeah. Uh, but that's okay. This game doesn't need to be that. It doesn't need to be intense. It doesn't need to be Diablo 3, Torment 16, the, the hardest difficulties that you can get to where yeah. you get touched and you die. That's not this game. It's um, <laughs> This game is is meant to be a you know top-down uh, ARPG brawler shooter, whatever mm-hmm. class you're playing. Yeah. And it's fun and explosive and things are going off all over the place. And it's it's its own thing. Torchlight yeah. is meant to be fun and bright and, and not as intense. Yeah, it's funny because they weren't going to make Torchlight 3. Right. They said, we've done that. We want to do something else. So they made Torchlight Online and it was an absolute failure. And people said, why don't you just make Torchlight 3? So <laughs> they, they took the engine and made Torchlight 3. And it's got some weird classes, apparently. One of them is a, a guy who's chased around by a ghost train that lays tracks around it. It's very weird. Okay. Prob- yeah, I, I suppose one day I'll pick it up when it's on sale. It doesn't sound like my thing. You know, I had Torchlight 1 for like a decade before I actually completed it. It's, you know, it, these sorts of games aren't really my thing. And yet I suggested this game for us because when I'm really into it, I'm really into it. Yeah. Because you can play it for 20 minutes and walk away and then play something else. Like, I can't see myself playing this for hours and hours and hours. I just can't. Um I could see myself playing for an hour a week and then coming back. But that's the problem. You can't play for an hour a week because you lose track of what you're doing. <laughs> um, but I enjoy it. And it's it's got the feel in some ways of an MMO. Some of the mechanics yeah. are the same. You yeah. can play it with another person. I never have. Um, again, there's any number of mods you can do, including the skin for your pet. So I think I'm using like a werewolf as opposed to a puppy. Okay. Um, it makes no difference except that when you choose one of these other creatures, of course, these are creatures you encounter in the world. Really, all they've, all the modders have done is taken all the uh, the creatures that are available to attack you and okay. turn them into possible pets. So you get access to whatever abilities they have. So if you decide you want a little steampunk robot to follow you around, cool. If you want a floating book or a mimic to, you know, that you can do that or a werewolf or whatever. Or you can have a, a house cat, I guess. Um, I was using I, a head crab. <laughs> well, there, well, there you go. And then obviously that's added. That's out of, uh, what is that, out of uh, half, Half-Life. The fact that this game is as moddable as it is, is what makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. And again, if I were to try and play this game unmodded, I, I think it would be like a new game for me. Um, yeah. I, but... I think maybe I'll go and, and get some mods for this game and see if some of those mods fix the issues that I've had with it. Because obviously, I mean, the first time I wanted to play this, I wanted to just go in and play the vanilla, uh, the standard experience mm-hmm. to kind of get get to grips with it. But if it's if it's really as moddable as you say, and the and the mods are as intense as you're you're describing them to be, yeah. then maybe I'll go back there and see if there's not some that kind of fix the fix the clicking issues for me. 
my understanding is that a lot of these mods do fix these problems. Like a lot of these companies, and we talked about this with, you know, the Hyperion mod for Emperor of the Fading Suns and other mods like this, where the company had to move on. They had no choice because they have to, you know, eat and they have right. to keep the lights on. So at some point they have to say, okay, we need to make the next thing. We've done our best, move on. And I think that's where Torchlight 2 got to, where they just, some of these, these niggling little problems, these little pebbles in the shoe, they couldn't quite lock them down. They couldn't afford to spend more time, so they moved on. But Torchlight 2 Essentials, which is the name of the mod, seems to fix those problems. Because the okay. problems you're describing to me, I don't even, I've never encountered them. So maybe they fix them. But maybe. that's the point of a game like this, is that it is so eminently moddable. It's sort of like in XCOM 2. You can mod that. You can add G.I. Joe characters. You can add <laughs> Garrus or Garrick, whatever, from uh, you know, the cop from Mass Effect. You mm -hmm. can add him. You can add creepy anime characters and, and whatever. And this game is not quite like that, but there's plenty you can add. And I like that. And the game, you know, calls up a console. Do you want to play it or do you want to play it with mods? And you can select your mods. So maybe with a friend you play with mods A, B, and C, but when you play it on your own, you don't. So you can keep those games, you know, those save games, you know, side by side. And they really made this game with longevity in mind. Let's put this in the hands of the users and let them do their thing. And I really sure. appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, this is a cheap game. Torchlight 2, you could probably, you know, Torchlight 1 and Torchlight 2 are, I mean, Torchlight 2 is just more of the same. But if you're really not sure which one, you'd start with Torchlight 1. But, you know, if you like this sort of game, yeah, just buy the second one. See if you like it before you commit to the full $45 price of, uh, of Torchlight 3. But I, you know, I think these are good games if you're into the Diablo type game. If you if you like Grimdark, go with Diablo. Yeah, this is not that. I mean, it's not Elmo, but uh, you know. Elmo says die. No, it's not quite that. <laughs> but it's it's just brighter. It's a little cheerier. It's a little more cartoony. But you're still killing everything. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, even even recently, like the difference between Diablo two and Diablo three. Diablo three is not quite as dark, but it's still significantly more dark than this game. This mm -hmm. game is is it's just fun. It's just uh, it's it's charming. Uh, that's actually a good way to put it yeah it's got a charm to it yeah uh, but i think it was a reaction to diablo 2 which was so dark because i remember there was yeah. a controversy when they showed the first screenshots of diablo 3 that it wasn't totally grimdark oh yeah. my god they're using color how awful this game <laughs> is for the people who looked at diablo 3 and said hey, it's still not enough yeah you know if you're a hardcore arpg player you probably are playing diablo already just because it's got the seasons and the oh, i'm going for this armor and that now nah, this is just go with whatever have fun yeah uh, and you enjoy yourself. So are you going to go back? Are you going to play more of this, do you think? Or are you going to go back to Diablo? I don't think so. I'm going to keep it around. Uh, I mean, if, if anybody I know ever winds up downloading it and getting into it, I mean, obviously, you know, besides yourself, that's that one's just a given. But if anybody I know ever wants to, you know, sit down and play this game, then I'd be happy to go back and, you know, burn an hour or two with some friends killing random monsters. But for for my bang for my buck, I'm probably just going to wind up going back to Diablo 3 and waiting on Diablo 4. So there it is. There it is.